All right, listen, before we get into the word, there's a couple of things we need to take care of. Um, if you've been here the past couple of weeks, you will have known that we have been receiving offerings from one of our families within the church, Adobo's family. Many of you, um, if you were not here and you're finally off tonight for the first time, uh, Dan Dobos, very, very special guy to all of us here in this church, was involved in a very, very bad accident on September the 1st. Uh, you probably saw the pictures online, didn't realize it was somebody connected to this church. Um, he has been uh, recovering, thank God, uh, slowly but steadily. And uh, we are receiving offerings to help the family so that his wife, Alicia, can pay attention to taking care of her husband and not be concerned about any kind of financial pressure. And up until this point, you guys have been ridiculously generous. So thank you so much for that. Um, but for those of you that maybe were waiting till tonight to give, we do want to give an opportunity uh, for you to support this family. They're an awesome couple. They have two children here, uh, Jace and Mila. And uh, Alicia is a wonderful person also. And look, we're family. We're, we're, I, I shouldn't have to be up here selling this point. There's a family in need. We need to get behind them. This is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to take care of the household of faith first, according to the scriptures. Amen. So if tonight's your night to give, if you're only hearing about this for the first time and you were not prepared to give tonight, you can go online. You can, go, you can text your giving. You can use uh, the NBC app. You can do whatever you normally do with your tithes and offerings. You can do there. Just look for the drop-down. Uh, there's a little thing to click on there, right? That, Dobo support. Okay, and you can do that. If you're giving tonight with an envelope, if you're going to give, if you make out a check, make it out to New Beginnings. We're taking all of the support that has come in, and we will present Alicia with a check um, in a couple of weeks from now. Amen? Amen? So, I don't know if that's you. If you are, please... Um, how, how can we do this? Guys, um, maybe just pass the buckets through again. All right? And um, please do something for this family. Uh, so, you know, so we're going to pray. Well, pray and do something. Amen. Jesus told the disciples to watch and pray. I'm telling you, give and pray. Amen. Amen. Somewhere in Greek, someplace, I think it can translate watch as give. Well, we're doing it tonight anyway. Okay, so while that's going on, um, I don't want to be negligent. I feel like the Holy Spirit showed me something earlier today, and I would rather make the mistake of going that way than to miss an opportunity. Um, before I get into the rest of the message here tonight for Exodus, for the series that we're doing, um, I want to offer an opportunity for anybody who is right now having any kind of sickness that you're dealing with, any type of pains, I want to read some scriptures because we want to base our faith on the word of God. Amen. 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 I thought I would have got a little bit better, amen. We base our faith on the word of God. Amen. And so here's what I'm talking about now. There's times in services where we could be in worship and you know you feel the, the presence of God in a very tangible way. You know, you get the goosebumps, you get the chills, you get the whatever. Uh, everybody, everybody responds differently. But then God's best for us is to receive just because he said so in the word. Yes, yes or no? Yes. The, the will of God is revealed by the word of God. Amen. And so the Bible tells us that there's a principle there, in effect, that runs through all the scriptures, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let everything be established. So we should have at least 
two, three scriptures for us to stand on uh, before we do anything claiming that it's based on the promise of God. So I'm going to read you some scriptures. And then if there is anyone here that needs prayer, we'll do what Jesus said for us to do. That'll be the last scripture that I read. But allow the word of God to not only develop faith in you, but to strengthen the faith that maybe you've already had. Amen? Amen. So, Jay, you don't have to worry about this. I'm just going to read the scriptures. I, I know I didn't give you these, so you don't have them to put up there. Exodus chapter 15, starting in verse, wherever it is, six, um, Exodus 15, 16, I believe it is. What is it? 26. That's what I said, 26. Exodus 15, 26. He said, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, God speaking through Moses, I will put none or I will allow none of the diseases on you which I have brought or allowed on the Egyptians. Here's the part we stand on. For I am the Lord who heals you. Heals. Not heal once. Heals. It signifies almost continuous action. Amen. Psalm 103. I'm just going to go in kind of chronological order. Psalm 103, starting in verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Forget not all his benefits. And here's the benefits. Number 3, verse 3. Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. Verse 4 says, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Amen. Amen. So he not only forgives our sins, he heals all our diseases. Now that's important. Okay, because the only way that disease can cling to mankind is because of the presence of sin. Now, cool your jets for a minute. It does not mean that every time a person gets sick that they've sinned. Okay, we're talking about in a general sense. Disease and sickness came into the human experience because sin was introduced in the world. If it were not for that, what we used to call original sin, or that sin of Adam and Eve, uh, then uh, sickness and disease would have no right whatsoever to its, attach itself to mankind. Are you getting this? Yes. So there's a, always a connection between sickness and sin. There's always a connection between disease and sin. We're talking about human suffering. Are, are you listening? Okay, that's why you might remember when Jesus was in place and they lowered a man through the roof, uh, was brought up on top of that roof by four of his friends. He was paralyzed. Jesus initially did not say, rise up and be healed. Jesus said, your sins are forgiven you. Okay, you say, well, he's paralyzed. Well, yeah, he dealt with the sin so that he could deal with the sickness. You're getting this? You see the connection? Okay. Isaiah 53, verse 4, surely he has borne our griefs, carried our sorrows. I, I, I would challenge you to go look that up in the original language. Uh, griefs and sorrows are translated pains, and physical pains and sickness, okay? So this principle does not only apply spiritually to us, it also applies very much so physical, okay? So surely he, Jesus, has borne or taken upon himself our griefs, our sorrows, our physical pains, our sicknesses, uh, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. 
He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement or the punishment for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Now jump from Isaiah 53, fast forward to 1 Peter 2.24. 1 Peter 2.24 kind of piggybacks on Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53, excuse me, my mouth is so dry tonight. Um, Isaiah 53 says that by his stripes we are healed. 1 Peter 2.24, looking back at the cross, says by his stripes we were healed. It's an established fact. Amen? Amen. So remember, um, uh, your healing was already purchased. Amen. You listening? Okay, this is not the message tonight for those who are just walking in. It's just I'm, I'm just trying to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. I believe the Holy Spirit put on my heart tonight to make an offer for people to come to have hands laid upon them for any kind of sickness or disease. We don't want to just do that to do it. We want you to know why we're doing this. Amen. Okay? Now, the last scripture I want to share with you, and then, now let's talk about this first. It is scripturally inaccurate for a Christian, a believer to say, I know someday the Lord's going to heal me. Okay, you're getting this? Now, just let me explain, because if you're not, if you're not, if this is the first time you're hearing this, it could be a little confusing, because you're saying to yourself, but I still have pain, but I still have this condition, but the doctors tell me my uh, blood work is, whatever it is. Uh, Just because you're not seeing the manifestation yet does not mean that Jesus on his end has already done everything he's going to do. Okay, and, and I don't mind spending time on this. I hope you don't mind hearing it uh, because there may be someone who's, who's not heard this before. Uh, you say, well, how could it be wrong for us to say someday I'm going to get my healing? Well, because you wouldn't say someday Jesus is going to save me. Okay? When, when, you decide, when you decided to get born again, when you decided to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, Jesus did not get up off of his throne and say to the Father, uh, uh, Father, excuse me, I need to go down to earth. I need to get back on the cross again because John or Mary or Kenneth or somebody, they're going to receive me as Lord and Savior. Right? That would be ridiculous. He'd be back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. We know that doesn't happen. So when we get born again, we are putting our faith in an event that took place 2,000 years ago. Amen. Yes or no? Yes. So, so you're getting this? Yes. All right. So then when a person needs a manifestation of healing in their body, you're not putting your faith in an event in the future. You're putting your faith in an event that took place 2,000 years ago. Because Isaiah said when he goes to the cross, he's going to bear upon himself all of the sickness, all the disease, all of the abnormal, or, or any, anything that is contrary to our health, Jesus took upon himself at the cross. And by his stripes, we are. Let's go to 1 Peter 2.24, because Peter now points back to the cross, and by his stripes, we were healed, just like we could say, and by his stripes, we were saved. Yet, yet, Jesus still gave instruction to the church, which is the last scripture I want to read to you. Um, Mark chapter 16, verse 15. 
And he said to them, he, Jesus said to them, the disciples, just, just before he's ascending into heaven, go into, world, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, okay? But he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs shall follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they, the sick, will recover. So uh, again, laying on of hands for people to receive healing is just a method of releasing the healing power of God. Jesus many times just spoke to individuals and they received the healing power of God. Amen? Amen? Yes. You can speak over yourself and receive the healing power of God. But it's got to be based on the word of God. Amen? Yes. Last one, 3 John, verse 2. This is the Spirit of God speaking to the church through the Apostle John. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. So I gave us at least three scriptures so that our souls would come to the place of prosperity enough to receive what Jesus said to do. And he said, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Now, watch that. It's shall recover. Now, we know that it's God's will for us to be healed because we wouldn't have somebody get... People say, well, that was back in the old days. Well, then why would Jesus give us instruction for the church? Why would he give us instruction about something that was not going to be possible in this age? He didn't say until such and such a year, there's an expiration date on this. Once you pass that time frame, this isn't going to work. No, he gave instruction to the church. The church is still on the earth. Amen. Amen. Who's the church? Turn to somebody and say, you're the church. Say, this building's not the church. You're the church. All right, so I already took up, we're already 17 minutes into the hour. 16 seconds, 17 seconds, 18 <laughs> seconds. If you need prayer for healing, and you believe that it is God's will for you to be healed, and you believe that the power of God rests on the word of God, and you believe that what Jesus said is true, there's plenty of seats on that side. If what you believe, that you believe that Jesus, what he said is true, then come up here and we'll pray for you and then we can get on to the rest of the service. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. The power's in the word. The power's in the word. And understand, the Holy Ghost wouldn't give this to me if there was nobody here to receive it. Praise God. Pastor Rick and Jen, would you please come up here? Pastor Tom, Pastor Mike, Cindy, Mindy, get up here. I want to do this fast. Amen. Well, I want the pastor to lay hands on me. They have hands. <laughs> Just like I have hands. He said, let them lay hands on the scene. He said the pastor had to lay hands. There's somebody else that's supposed to be up here. Somebody recently went to the doctor and you didn't get too good of a news. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus.
these individuals like you would want somebody to pray for you if you were up here. Anybody else is supposed to be up here? Come on, because I want to get on with the rest of the service. Hallelujah. Never fails. Some of, somebody's going to come up to us in the lobby and go, you know, Pastor, I should have been up there, buddy. <laughs> Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Healing belongs to us. Amen. Jesus suffered a horrible death on the cross so that we would have the ability to receive healing. Don't go walking through life saying, well, this is my cross to bear. No, he took it. He took it. Well, God's trying to teach me something. No, no, he gave you a Bible to learn from. Not sickness, not disease. He doesn't use the devil to teach his kids anything. That would be child abuse. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Now, those of you that come up here for prayer, those of you that come up here for prayer, what prescription I'm going to give you from this point forward, you keep thanking God. Amen. Pain comes back. Father, I thank you that on Wednesday night at 7.22, we'll take a couple minutes off at 7.20, the power of God was ministered to my body. Amen. I received it by faith, yes. and I thank you for the full manifestation. Remember he said, you lay hands on sick and they shall... Recover. Sometimes it's, and sometimes it's a process. But the process starts the moment that you have somebody lay hands on you. Amen. Amen. This is central to the gospel. Say, well, I don't know. The church I went to, they never talked about this. You're not in your church. You're here. Okay? And listen to me. In the early church, this was a major, major function of the church. Major. Jesus made it a major part of the gospel. His whole ministry was preaching, teaching, healing. You, you could just categorize and summarize Jesus' ministry in those three words. Yeah. Preaching, teaching, healing. You got it? Yes. Okay. So, you're the healer of the Lord. Amen. It is his will, it was his good pleasure Amen. to purchase that healing for us. It cost him dearly. We shouldn't treat it flippantly. And shouldn't treat it, well, you know, it's not that bad if the pain gets worse. No, no, no. Any form of, of in other words, anything that's hanging around from the kingdom of darkness, Jesus hates. And we shouldn't put up with it. Amen? All right, let's see what we can accomplish in the next 30 minutes or so. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for tonight, Lord God. Thank you for those that came up here by faith, Lord. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you continue to reveal to them the fact that you desire for all of us to be well, for us to prosper and be in health 
even as our souls prosper. Father, tonight we declare that our souls are prospering. We are learning. We are being transformed. We are being impacted by the word of God. We thank you for all of this, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So, last week we kind of left off at uh, an individual named Reuel. Reuel is Moses' father-in-law. The name Reuel means friend of God. And we talked about this. And God made provision for Moses through a man named Reuel. And remember that it means a friend of God. Now, what does this mean? This means that God hooked up Moses with a man who was very familiar with God, very uh, closely uh, involved with God, interacting with God, so that Moses could learn how to have that same kind of relationship. And we talked a lot about this last week, how even in our lives, because remember, the Exodus story is our story, right? And we talked at length last week about the fact that many times in our lives, God will connect us with individuals who maybe are a little bit further in their relationship with God than we are, and that we can learn from by example, that we can be kind of like challenged to go in the same direction. And so we see the impact that that made on Moses' life. So Reuel becomes Moses' advocate, the person who would prepare him for the day when it would be just Moses and God. Now, I would imagine Reuel, when stepped into eternity, um, had a tremendous reward waiting for him. Because this man, for 40 years, invested in the life of Moses, used by God to prepare him for the time when Moses would step into the plan of God for his life. Amen? Amen. Now, think about it. Jesus did the same thing for his disciples. He made provision for them. And made provision for us. Because when we talk about disciples, we're not only talking about the ones from 2,000 years ago. How many disciples do we have here tonight? How many believers? How many disciples? How many followers of Christ do we have? Just a few. Some, some or two. Like, I would be, but my arm hurts. <laughs> Let's see again. How many disciples? How many followers of Christ do we have here tonight? So that means he has connected us with a friend of God. Amen. Now, namely, he has a title. And his name is the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So don't ever, ever, ever discount. Don't ever treat lightly the fact that you have the Holy Spirit of God living in you. If you are of Christ, if you belong to him, his spirit is in you. Do not treat that lightly. And don't put him in a box. I know the Lord's been really dealing with me lately a lot about this kind of stuff. That if we really, truly understood, and I, and I, I feel like I'm going to be teaching a lot about this coming New Year, because now we got the holidays coming up, and the holidays are cute, and they're wonderful and everything else, but the holidays are an interruption sometimes. Uh, so now we got to deal with everything with the holidays, uh, Thanksgiving, and then Christmas, and all that stuff. But um, I, I feel like, when I say feel, I, I should say more perceive. I perceive that we're going to be dealing with a lot about the Holy Spirit in the coming New Year. Amen. A lot. That the Lord was just I was telling Pastor Beth today. The Lord really showed me some stuff this morning. I started putting some notes together, and I think it's going to be a major blessing. And as soon as we can in the new year, we'll start teaching. But, but listen, listen, let's for tonight focus in on this friend that Jesus introduced to the church and to the disciples. So as Reuel became Moses' advocate, it's not by coincidence that Jesus introduced the Holy Spirit as an advocate. Amen? Because it's the Holy... See, Reuel... 
was instrumental in bringing Moses into a deeper relationship with God. Okay? And we're going to talk about that. I don't know that we're going to get to tonight, but definitely next week. Uh, lessons from the burning bush. You'd be shocked with the things that Moses was taught in that, in that short period of time. Amen? So, so Jesus has done the same thing for us as his disciples. He did it for his original disciples. He made provision for them through the Holy Spirit who came on the scene when Jesus returned to heaven. Amen? Amen. And the Holy Spirit brings us into a deeper relationship with God, even as Reuel brought Moses into a deeper relationship with God, even as Moses brought Joshua into a deeper relationship with God. And Joshua was the one who brought, was tasked with bringing the people into the promised land. Now think about it this way. I love this because there's so many parallels in the scriptures, so much, so much symbolism. Uh, we talked about this, how uh, Egypt always represents the kingdom of darkness. So when you're reading the book of Exodus, you read Egypt, remember, kingdom of darkness. Pharaoh is always representative of who? Satan, Satan the taskmaster, right? The one who drives us, the one who is just grinding us, okay? And then the Red Sea experiences are being born again, amen? Because we come from the Egypt, we come through that, that, that baptism in Christ, we come up on the other side, and now we're heading into our promised land, okay? Now, for us, we're not talking about geographically a promise, and although there are some times when God fulfills those kind of promises, but symbolically speaking, the plan of God for your particular life, specific to you, is your promised land. There's going to be giants for you to overcome. There's going to be enemies to overcome. There's going to be gigantic walls like there were in Jericho. They're going to try to keep you from progressing further. But you have a particular promised land. And normally, normally when we're not in our promised land, we experience frustration. We experience wandering, okay? Now, as Moses was assigned real well, and you remember, real well then goes with Moses, okay? When Moses comes out of Egypt with the Israelites, his father-in-law now meets up with him. There's two names that they're using in the Bible for this gentleman, for this man. One is real well. The other one is Jethro, okay? So don't get confused when you see the word Jethro. It's the same person. Okay, maybe Rhea Well is just describing the personality or the character of this man, and Jethro is his actual name. We don't know. But uh, Rhea Well meets up with Moses and begins to give him guidance and counsel. You remember at one point, his father-in-law came to him and said, you can't sit here and judge every case that comes to you. You know, pick people from each one, and I think they broke it down uh, in groups of 70s or had 70 elders and then uh, broke up the rest of the community underneath. So, so what happens? Reuel, right, watch this, watch this, okay? Reuel, the friend of God, hooks up with Moses, the deliverer, brings the people out of, his, out of Egypt into Israel, into the Canaan land, and is heading progressively towards their occupying their promised land. And Reuel, the friend of God, who's assigned to the people of God, begins to give guidance, and Jesus introduced the Holy Ghost as our helper, the source of all wisdom. And the Holy Spirit, his function in our life, living inside of each and every one of us, is for us to tap into, because he's the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of truth. He's also the spirit of power and might. He's, he's all of these things that you and I need to 
progressively, step by step, occupy the promised land in our life, the plan of God for you. Amen? Amen. And don't be surprised if as you get closer to the promised land in your life that you experience more and more discomfort, possible frustration, uneasiness. So you start feeling that something's not right. It's not, even though you're doing the same things, in fact, outwardly speaking, your condition of life may be better than it used to be, but inside, it doesn't mean anything. Amen. It does not fulfill because you can have $10 million in the bank, but if you're out of God's will, something still in here is going to go, eh, something's not right. You didn't hit it yet. You're not there yet. But once you step into it, it's a whole different ballgame. And so you see that for 40 years then, the people of Israel are just playing bumper cars. They're just bumping into anything. Every once in a while, they might hit it right, but for the most part, they're like, man, we're just wandering around here. But then they come to the Jericho. And really specifically, I mean, I'm way off my notes, but I'm going to get back in here. Uh, specifically, they come to the Jordan River. And there's two major bodies of water that are very significant in the Exodus story. What was the first one? The Red Sea. The Red Sea put a distinction between them and the kingdom of darkness. They went through. They came up on the other side. They were not the same people. They were no longer slaves. Okay. Now watch, they had to get rid of the slave mentality, and that took some time. But in the, in the natural, or naturally speaking, they were no longer under the dominion of Pharaoh, the taskmaster. But they still had to learn who they were before they could begin to occupy their promised land. So the Red Sea is our salvation experience. Amen? Amen? Amen. And then, and then they, we come to the Jordan. Now... If you follow through, we don't have time tonight. If you go look at a map of how they traveled from Egypt, they came on the other side of the Jordan and came up from the east, heading back west to get into their promised land. So they had to cross the Jordan before that. The Jordan is the boundary of the promised land, okay? And I say, well, pastor, I seem to remember that there were some of the tribes that decided to stay on that side of the Jordan. Yeah, true, because there's always going to be people that are only going to want to go so far with God. And you wish them well, but you leave them on that side of the Jordan. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I've been, I've been saved for 38 years, and trust me, I've left a lot of people on the other side of the Jordan. So it's like, we're good. We're good. Now, they were honorable. They promised that they would come and fight with the rest of Israel, but we'll stay here. We're okay here. We're good on this side of the Jordan, okay? So now, what's the Jordan? If the Red Sea is our salvation experience, what is the Jordan? The Jordan is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Remember, Jesus said to the disciples after the resurrection, okay? Remember that first Easter Sunday night? Yes. He appeared to them, what did he do? He breathed on them, and they said, he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Remember? John chapter 20, 21, 20, 20, I think, whatever. So that's the night they got born again. Yes or no? Yes. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. But then just a few days later, he said to them, now don't leave Jerusalem until you receive the promise of my father, 
which you heard me talk about, that John baptized uh, with water, but you're going to get baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire not too many days from now. So if you're not careful, you could say to yourself, well, wait a second. Didn't they receive the Holy Spirit on Easter Sunday night when he breathed on them? Yeah. They received the Holy Spirit within. How many people in this room tonight can really, really, really say truthfully, I'm born again? Let me see your hands. I'm born again. Okay. So then you have the Holy Spirit living in you. Say, say he's, in he's in there. Okay. But then he said to them, there's another experience that's set aside for you, and that's the baptism of the Holy Ghost, baptism of the Holy Spirit, where the Holy Spirit comes up on you. He said, and don't leave Jerusalem until you receive that promise. So the reality is, as believers, we have the Holy Spirit within, but we also have the Holy Spirit upon. It's the Holy Spirit upon that is the gateway into the supernatural that's promised to the church and body of Christ. The baptism, excuse me, the Holy Spirit within gets you to heaven. Can't get to heaven if you don't have the Holy Spirit within. But the Holy Spirit upon prepares us for this life. The Red Sea freed them from the kingdom of Egypt, from darkness, but it was the Jordan that prepared them to go into the promised land. You getting this? Now, there shouldn't be 40 years in between. Just like there wasn't meant to be 40 years in between them coming out of Egypt and them finally going into Canaan land to possess the land. You got this? But who was assigned to Moses to prepare him? Real well. John, chapter 14. Listen to what Jesus said now. Put this all together and see that we have real well living within us. I'm going to read from the Amplified Version, John 14, verse 16. And I, this is Jesus speaking, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter, counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, and standby, that he, not it, the Holy Spirit's not an it, the Holy Spirit's not a dove, the Holy Spirit's not a wind, the Holy Spirit's not a fire, the Holy Spirit is not oil. He's symbolized by all those things, but he's a person. He, that he may remain with you when you get goosebumps, when they sing your favorite song in worship. You see what I'm saying? He remains with us how long? Forever. Forever. Now, let me read it to you from the message translation. And remember, some of these things are translations, paraphrases. They're not... 100%, okay? So you, don't, you can go to the Message Bible. You can go to, what's the other one? That? Passion Bible. You can go to those things, even, even sometimes a New Living Version, New Living Translation, which I do present from time to time. But you don't study from there. You listening to me? You study from King James, New King James, New American Standard, the nearly inspired version once in a while. Nobody got that except Pastor Rick. Uh, the NIV, nearly inspired version. Okay. I, I'll use that sometimes if, in, as long as the version, as long as that translation is not, because there's some of the stuff in there like, what are you talking about? You know? Okay. So, so what am I saying? Message translation kind of opens it up a little bit more. Amen. If you love me, show me by doing what I told you. This is Jesus speaking. 
I will talk to the Father, and he will provide you another friend. You notice the friend is capitalized? He will provide you, or he will, he will bring you another friend so that you will always have someone with you. We're never alone. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you've declared your faith in him, you are not alone. No matter where you go, you have someone with you, at least one person. You remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Yeah. The king says, wait a second, we threw three guys in this fire, but I see a fourth one, and he looks like the son of God. Even the pagan king got revelation that day. This friend is the spirit of truth. The godless world cannot take him in because it doesn't have eyes to see him, doesn't know what to look for. But you know him already because he has been staying with you and will even be in you. What's he saying? It's me. It's my spirit that's going to live inside you. Amen? Amen? So God's given us his spirit. He's given us an advocate who will teach us and mentor us. Sometimes he'll do that through friends, through other people. Sometimes through a pastor. Sometimes through a believing family member. Sometimes he speaks and reveals things to us one-on-one. The bottom line is this. We will never fulfill God's plan without getting to know him through his word, through prayer, and most of all, through the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit will show you things that you can't comprehend on your own. You listening? The Holy Spirit is the most important person of the Trinity to us right now as the church. (gasps) What are you saying, Pastor? Jesus is not important? No, Jesus is extremely important. But Jesus came to this earth, died on the cross, suffered all he did, went into hell, took the keys away from the devil for one purpose. Oh, it's, it's for us salvation. But included in that salvation is for the Holy Spirit to be able to come and occupy his people. You listening? It's to get us back in that pure relationship again where there's nothing hindering us between us and God, no obstacles between us and God, no sin between us and God. Well, pastor, I still sin. Get in line with everybody else. We all do. That's why he's chosen not to impute our sins against us because he took them all and put them on his son. That's the only way you and I are ever going to come back into relationship with God. How are we going to do it on our own? Well, I don't know about you, but, you know, I'm kind of a very spiritual person. Yeah, that's what I'm concerned about. We don't know what spirits are in there. But you're spiritual. Hallelujah. Some wife right now is going, yeah, the one I got with me has got a whole bunch of them in him. Very spiritual person. So... So now watch this now, because you can't fulfill God's plan without having a relationship with the Holy Spirit. He told him, don't leave this place. Don't leave Jerusalem until you receive the promise of the Father. He wasn't talking about salvation. They had received salvation on Easter Sunday night. But there's this secondary experience. Okay, Moses had it. Remember, we talked about this last week, a week before. Moses had a knowing on the inside that God called him to deliver the people. How do we know? Because he rose up and killed an Egyptian. That was, that was like his, hey, here I am, I'm the deliverer. But you notice he did it without any, he wasn't connected to Reuel yet. He did it on his own. You and I cannot fulfill the plan of God for our lives on our own. 
We have to have the real well, the friend of God, the comforter, the advocate. Say, man, I thought those teachers were going to be about Exodus. It is. It's the Exodus. Your story is the Exodus story. The Exodus story is our story. We come out of darkness. We come through the Red Sea. We're born again. We come up on the other side, and we start marching towards our promised land. The most important thing is that we get to that promised land before our heart stops. Because guess what? We're not going to be judged on everything we did, and we're not going to be rewarded on everything we've done. We're going to be rewarded on the things we did in our promised land. Amen. There's going to be some things that some of us are going to stand before the Lord and say, well, you know, I did this and did that. He goes, that's great, but I didn't tell you to do that. I didn't tell you to do that. I built 15 orphanages in Africa. That's wonderful, but I didn't tell you to do that. In fact, that was so-and-so's assignment. All I was expecting you to do is pay for the old lady's groceries in the stop and shop that was in line in front of you. And you didn't want to. Ouch. See what I'm saying? We don't just get, well, look at me. Look at all I did. No, no. What is it that we've done for Christ is going to be rewarded? Everything else gets burned up. Hallelujah. What a wonderful future we have to look forward to. So Moses' 40 years with Reuel prepared him for a face-to-face encounter with God, and that's what we call the burning bush. Every life has to have one of those experiences. Sometimes they're dramatic, very dramatic. Sometimes they're not so dramatic, but there's a point of when we, when we encounter God and he offers us a mandate, a mission, a challenge, a path, something to accomplish that only we can accomplish. You listening? You got to find what it is. So, will you allow the Holy Spirit to prepare you for a life-changing encounter with God? Because at some point, there's going to be an encounter with Almighty God. Some of us have had them already and continue to have them as, as we get further and further into the plan of God for our lives. Don't miss out on that. And especially when you're young, when you're young, when you're young, look for it when you're young. David said, early in the morning will I rise up and seek you. You listen, find out when you're young. So you don't have to live a life of regrets in your latter days. Amen? Amen. I'm I'm telling you, seek him while you are young. Don't play the fool. Don't get caught up in everything that's going on in this world. Stay focused. Stay focused. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Amen? Amen. So how do we do that? We start by placing our faith in Jesus Christ as our Savior. That's how you start, the one who took our punishment upon himself. Once we do that, we allow his spirit who comes to live inside of us to do whatever healing, transforming, surgery we need on our heart and our soul. Now, watch this now. By the time we get to Exodus 3, Moses is 80 years old already. Now, we know in 80 years, I don't care what age you lived in, whether it was 4,000 years ago or or whether it's today. You live 80 years on this earth, you're going to have some baggage. A couple of people understand that. You live, uh, you know, no matter how many years you live on this earth, at some point, 
there's, there's betrayals in Moses' life. There's disappointments in Moses' life. He probably was disappointed with God. Like, hey, I thought I was, I thought I was stepping out to help my people, and I had to flee Egypt and go into this horrible place at the other side of the desert. But in that place on the other side of the de- desert is where he got hooked up with Reuel. And Reuel taught him how to have a relationship with God the Father. Okay? So... He's learned how to care. He's learned how to organize. He's learned how to administrate by caring for the flocks of his father-in-law. His father-in-law was a shepherd and must have had extensive flocks because he's, I think he had seven daughters and all of them were shepherds. So they had a lot of sheep to take care of. All right? And it's been 40 years since he fled from Egypt. 40 years. 40 years since he fled from Egypt. He's long forgotten the threat that was there. He's probably long forgotten that his people were suffering. How do we know that? Because God has to remind him, okay? So by this time, he's become very accustomed to this simple life. He's got a wife. He's got two sons. They have a place to live. They got food to eat. Life is good. He knows when his father-in-law leaves this earth, he's going to inherit everything. He's in good shape. And that's when God interrupts his life. So, Exodus chapter 3, verse 2. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him, to Moses, in a flame. In a flame of fire in the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. In other words, the bush was on fire, but it wasn't destroyed. Then Moses said, now, mind you, Moses is the one who's writing this. You remember that, right? Because Moses wrote, Exodus, Moses wrote, Deuteronomy, Numbers, Leviticus, all those things. So this, I would guarantee, has stuck out in his mind. He's writing that in every detail. And the angel of the Lord, who do you think that is? Jesus, pre-incarnate, before he is born into Bethlehem. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire. That must have really freaked him out because not only is the bush on fire, but there's somebody talking to him <laughs> from the midst of the fire, okay? Then Moses said, look at how it reads. Look, then Moses said, hmm, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, this great sight why the bush does not burn. I, I'm sure he did it just like that. Hmm, I think I shall turn aside. What would you have done? <laughs> Whoa. What is going on here? Now, I will submit this to you. I believe with all my heart that God had to make this type of a spectacular kind of uh, just jumping into Moses' face because he's very comfortable now. He's doing good. He's not in the palace in Egypt, but you know he's not doing so bad. Because his father-in-law is the chief of Midian, the chief priest there. He's pretty well known. Probably had a nice tent to live in. Plenty to eat. Life isn't so bad. For 40 years, he's gotten comfortable now. And that's the danger that comes to us. The longer we're saved, the more comfortable we get. And sometimes God's got to jump right back in our face again. I'm, I'm telling you, that's what happened to Paul. Well, Saul of Tarsus, 
He's a big shot in Jerusalem. He's studying under the main rabbi of his time. They're getting him ready to take over and become the head rabbi in Jerusalem. He's going to be the head of the Sanhedrin, the Supreme Court of Israel. And he got comfortable. He's well known. Here comes Saul. Everyone bowed down. The chief priests know him. Everybody loves him. He's the, he's the, the good old boy. Everybody's, he's the one who's going to get raised up. And Jesus had to just jump right in his face. Thank God he did. Thank God Jesus jumped in your face at some point in life. So, so when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called, God, God. I thought it was the angel of the Lord. God, oh, I thought it was Jesus. Well, who's God? And who's Jesus? God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. You, book, you read the book of Isaiah, the first chapter, Isaiah says the same thing. God says, who's going to go for me? And he goes, Hineni, here I am. Then he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Holy ground. Lessons from the burning bush. We've got seven minutes. Can I start? We'll pick up on this again next week. Yeah. You're gonna, did you learn anything so far? Yeah. Lessons from the burning bush. Verse 5. God says to him, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. What's the very first thing that God does? Teaches him reverence. Reverence. You remember that word? Reverence. He tells Moses to put off. He tells Moses what he should put off, what he needs to put off to come into his presence. He tells Moses what Moses needs to put off in order to come into his presence. Reverence is the first step to experiencing the reality, the presence, and the victory that comes from God. No reverence, no reality. That's why sometimes it breaks my heart. We can be in a service and the Spirit of God is moving powerfully, mightily. And there'd be some people just standing there with their arms folded, they don't even know. It's like, they're, like, like the parade's marching by, they don't even know that the trombone is playing. We've got to develop reverence for the things of God. And I, you can't do it for me and I can't do it for you. You know Listen, listen. You know and I know what we need to put off. First thing he tells them is what to put off. First thing he teaches is how to reverence his presence. People who experience God's presence are those who understand his holiness and his desire for us to live separate from the filth of our old life. I don't know what your old life was. You don't know what mine was. It was not good. Turn to somebody and say, it wasn't good. Turn to somebody else and say, I got nothing to look back to. So remember that the Exodus story is our story. It's this journey through life, just like Moses, that we should be growing in our awareness of God. We should be much more aware of God now than you were yesterday. Last week, last month, last year. Amen. 
If you're not, then I would advise you to ask the Holy Spirit to show you how your heart got hardened. It happens. It happens. If you're not careful, it'll happen. The disappointments of life will get your heart hard if you're not. Uh, people. Do you, you, you have any people in your life? Yeah. <laughs> if you're not careful, people will get your heart hard. And, and, and it affects your relationship with God more than it affects your relationship with people. Because with people, we can still act like, love you. <laughs> but you can't do that with God. You can't schmooze God. We can schmooze one another, but you can't schmooze God. You know what, you know what I'm talking about? So, this journey that we're on is, is for us to be more, formed more and more into the image of Christ by his spirit and his word. Are you listening? You know, the, the trip to the promised land for the Israelites was not easy. You think our trip into our promised land, our journey is going to be easy? There's going to be, there's, going, there's giants in the land. There's obstacles in the land. And the biggest one is the one you see in the mirror every morning. Oh, the devil, no, forget the devil. The devil doesn't have any power over you that you don't give him. Our biggest problem is not the devil. The devil's been defeated. Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Amen. The biggest problem that you and I have in our lives as Christians is the one in the mirror. Amen. Now, look at this. I thought this was so cool. I hope you see it too. First thing God said to Moses was to do what? Take the sandal. The first thing he told him was put off. Put off. Say it with me. Listen to Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. This is instruction to the church now. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. <laughs> lurking. Wow. Lurking. Do you ever, have, you, ever, you ever do something, say something, think something, conduct yourself a certain way, and then you go, oh, my God, I didn't think I still had that stuff in me. Amen. What is it? It's exactly what Paul's talking about. You got something in there that's what? Lurking. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming upon, and New King James says, the sons of disobedience. You and I are not a son of disobedience. We've been made righteous, but it doesn't mean that we don't put things off. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world, but now it's time for you to get rid of anger, rage. I thought he was done with the list. He was just getting started. <laughs> anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. On Facebook, too? Yes, on Facebook, too. <laughs> Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. And if we look at other translations, we would see constantly put off, put off, put off. Now look at the difference between Moses' relationship with God and our relationship. Moses, look at me, to show you how great we have it now in this dispensation of grace. Moses could only put off. He had nothing to put on. He could only put off he had nothing to put on. We 
put off the old man and we put on Christ in all the newness of life. Put on your new nature. Who's going to do it? Come on, guys. We're almost done. I got a minute left. Who's going to? Can you come to my house and say, oh, pastor, I'm going to help you put off. I'm going to help you put on. No, no. Who has to do it? We do. But sometimes we don't even realize what we've allowed to come back on us again. But we're told, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Moses could only put off because Moses could not be born again yet. Anybody that lived before Jesus went to the cross could only put off. That's why they went from 10 commandments to 614 commandments because all they could do is put off and put off and put off and put off and put off. Kill goats, kill cows, kill doves, kill lambs, kill whatever. You can kill everything in sight, but you can't get born again. Not until Jesus shows up on the scene. Now we have the ability to put off and to put on. We have it so much better. Well, I wish I was there with Moses. I wish I could see the Red Sea part. No. Well, when we get to heaven, we can see the reruns. But what I'm saying... (laughs) We in the church, the church age is the greatest age since God created all of existence. You and I now have the ability to put off and to put on. I'm going to say this and then we'll we'll wrap this up for tonight. You hearing me? A religious person only concerns themselves with putting off because they have no revelation of putting on. I have to stop this, and I have to stop that, and I can't do this, and I can't do that. You shouldn't do this, and you shouldn't do that. They're constantly putting off, putting off, putting off, putting off. So what do we become? Empty shells? If you're always putting off, but you're never putting on, you're going to find yourself right back in what you thought you put off. You listening to me? Yes. Especially if you have an addictive personality. You realize, oh my gosh, now, now I'm addicted to this behavior or this pattern of thinking or this uh, way of living. And I so I got to stop. I got to stop. No, I got to stop. I'm going to stop. God, I'm going to stop. I'm going to rally up my willpower. What are you doing? Putting off putting off, putting off. But if you don't put on Christ, if you don't put on the newness of life, if you're not nurturing a relationship with the Holy Spirit, if you, have not, if you don't nourish that relationship with the real well that Jesus has placed inside you, you're never going to have the grace it takes to break those chains. It's not going to happen. Because for all that time that Israel came out of Egypt, And they instituted all of those laws, instituted the sacrificial system, which really goes back to the Garden of Eden, but it was made part of the law. From that point, for the next 1,500 years, nobody could get born again. Now, they could get saved in eternity because they put their faith in the fact that the Messiah is coming someday. I put my faith in there. Abraham believed God, and it was a credit to him as righteousness, but Abraham couldn't get born again. First people to get born again. 
the disciples on Easter Sunday night. You listening to me? We have it so much better in this dispensation, and most of the time I don't even realize it. Moses could only put off. You and I can put off and put on. This day, I'm going to walk as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. This day, I am a new creation in Christ. This day, I'm going to walk in the newness of life. This day, I'm going to walk and I'm going to, I'm going to let my light shine. I'm going to conduct myself the way Christ did because his grace now empowers me. Amen. You got it? Yes. Uh, we'll pick up next week. Yes. You promise? Yes. You're going to bring somebody else? Because I still see a few empty seats. You, every one of us has somebody in our life that needs to hear this. Amen. Amen? Amen? If you need prayer for anything, come on up. If not, God bless you. We'll see you next Wednesday.